can't ride on my little red wagon. You can't ride on my little red wagon. Front seat's broken in the wicket, the wicket, the wicket, the wicket. <laughs> What's up, y'all? This is the Nick Bartlett Show. This is a Sports Pack 12 original. So don't forget it, y'all knuckleheads. If you didn't figure it out by the title, my name is Nick Bartlett. I'm the broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer at Oregon Sports News. I've had my articles featured in the Seattle PI, 750 The Game, and Go Local PDX, and a bunch of other random media outlets and places and shenanigans and all like that. This is a sports show about Pac-12, current events, affairs, obviously the action of the field, and the conference in totality. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, if you've been here for a long time, eh, maybe thank you. Nah, nah, thank you for coming on. And without further ado, let's get to some Pac-12 action. One shining moment will lead to this. <laughs> Alright guys, um, welcome back to the Nick Barlett Show. March is officially here. By the time you hear this, some games will have already been played, and I'm very excited to break down the Pac-12 teams in the tournament. So, on the agenda today, obviously, I'm going to be breaking down all five teams in the NCAA tournament from the Conference of Champions, and I will follow that up with Bartlett's Random Topic of the Day. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. No guess. It's March. We got hoops, and we got five teams in a bunch of first round and second round, potentially third round Sweet 16 matchups. So, let's get right to it. Let's get right freaking to it. So, first team I'm going to start with is the USC Trojans. My prediction is that they will lose in the round of 32. Pretty simply, they should be able to beat Drake or Wichita State in the opener. They're just a lot more athletic than either of these teams. I really don't see anything that could cause an upset in the opening round. In the second, they'll likely lose to Kansas in the round of 32. Just... I just haven't seen it from the Trojans thus far this year on a consistent basis to think that they can knock off a team like the Jayhawks. And the main reason is, and I know that Andy Enfield got coach of the year for whatever reason. I mean, I don't really understand that to be quite frank. But the main reason why I don't think USC has any chance against Kansas is that they don't get Evan Mobley enough touches. I said it last week. I think Dane said it two weeks ago. And I'm going to say it again as the NCAA tournament arrives. Get him more touches in today's basketball world everyone wants to shoot the three-pointer they want layups and dunks and they get so caught up in analytics that they forget how to play the actual whoa almost really swore there that they almost forgot to play the freaking game of basketball it's simple Evan Mobley's a good passer if he touches the ball it doesn't mean he has to shoot it every time it means he's gonna get other players wide open shots it may be a Drew Peterson it may be a Taj Edey and maybe a little dish to his bro Isaiah. Whoever, whatever it may be, he's going to op- create openings for other players. And the best analysis or analogy I can give for this is Kenny Smith, the NBA on TNT anchor. He was a guard on the Houston Rockets championship team with Hakeem Olajuwon. And he once stated that he never got an open shot in the NBA until Hakeem was on his team. And essentially what he's saying is that when Hakeem touched the ball... They were double teaming him and someone was going to be wide open and luckily for Smith, it was usually him. 
Evan Mobley could have this exact same effect on the Trojans. If Andy Enfield wants to ever instill this in his game plan, uh, I don't understand why he wouldn't. But until they do that, USC is not making it past the second round, and Kansas should handle them pretty comfortably. Again, they will beat Drake or Wichita State in the opener. Looking at some stats here, they average 74.8 points per game, which is 90th in the nation. The offense has been... It's been up and down throughout the year. They found a nice little stretch mid-late end of the Pac-12 season, but it's kind of been falling off a little bit as of late. Just no real consistency. I think the best word to use is no real fluidity. No real fluidity is the best way to phrase that. Defense is really where they hang their hat, only allowing 65.1 points per game, which is good for 49th in the nation in scoring defense. But all those stats and me yelling about Andy Enfield, um, whatever I'm saying here about Andy Enfield yelling at him, the main factor, I think, will be Taj Edey. And here's just a disconcerting statistic, man. He's only averaging 2.6 assists per game. That's absolutely unacceptable when you've got like Evan Mobley, who you can throw the ball up to for at least two or three alley-oops a game. Easy assists right there. Taj Edey only averaging 2.6 assists? Come on, man. Come on, Taj. You're better than that. You're better than that. Now, he's averaging 13.7 points per game, which is really cool, and it does help the team. But improving his assist numbers would be much more beneficial. I mean, much more beneficial than his high-volume scoring. And I really think he's a determining factor for this team heading into the NCAA tournament. Just, USC is so talented. And they're frustrating. They're frustrating, guys. It's teams like USC, and I'll get to another team here in a second. They're the reason why the Pac-12 is not considered that top-level conference anymore. A lot of national analysts view us as something in between a power conference and a mid-major, and teams like USC have the opportunity to change that tune, and I just don't think they're going to do it. Other names to consider come turning time would be Drew Peterson, good sharpshooter, Isaiah Mobley, good post defender, Isaiah White, great perimeter defender, and Ethan Anderson just kind of does random cool things. So those are some other names to consider. But yeah, USC going to lose in the second round unless they decide to get Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley more touches. They haven't done it thus far this season, so I don't see them doing it now. The next team I'm going to talk about, ugh, frustration, frustration, frustration. The Colorado Buffs, another team I'm losing in the round of 32. If they did not get an extremely lucky draw of Georgetown, I would have had them losing in the opening round. For those of you who don't know, Georgetown essentially pulled off an Oregon State-like run in the Big East tournament. They would have not been playing in the big dance unless they won their conference tournament. Kudos to them, but talent-wise, I just don't think they're going to be able to hang with the Buffs. This is going to lead us to the second round matchup, which they're going to likely face Florida State. And again, you got to understand, I mean, upsets do happen. So, hey, if Florida State gets upset by someone, it could change the tune. But, hey, for, let, let's just keep it 100. Florida State is probably going to be playing Colorado in the second round. So, they're going to get smashed. The Buffs are going to get absolutely decimated by the Seminoles. And... It just, if they can't beat Oregon State in a Pac-12 championship game, why would I think they could beat the Florida State Seminole? Why? I mean, it's just completely unrealistic, and they're not going to. And Colorado, I think I just said it, but I'm going to say it twice if I didn't say it, is the most frustrating team to me in this conference. They're just frustrating. I'm like shaking my phone as I say this. It just, man. So, like, they have McKinley Wright, who is such an amazing playmaker. And you'd think that would be good enough to loan to do some real, real damage. 
This team's been like a 21 season, pretty a 21 team consistently the last couple of seasons. And I still don't feel that I can call them great. I, I just don't feel I haven't seen it. They had an opportunity in the Pac-12 tournament against a less less talented recruiting team from a recruiting standpoint, and they couldn't get it done. And this seems to be the tune of Colorado. They couldn't get it done in last year's conference tournament, getting smashed in the opening rounds, and they couldn't get it done in the championship this year. So this is just where I stand with the buffs. I'm very, very frustrated, disappointed in this team, to be quite frank. But some things to consider heading into the NCAA tournament is they may get Evan Batty more touches. He's not necessarily the most logical player to get more touches to. I just think for a team that may have kind of lost some wind in their sails with the loss of the Beavers, you guys know I hate cliches. I was trying to think of something fresher off the top of my head. Didn't come that time. Come next time for sure. But getting Evan Batty more touches just because of his heart, his energy, and he actually has some nice moves. I mean, he averages just about 10 points per game, a little bit under that, or maybe a little bit under, a little bit over. But he's around that 10-point margin. So getting him more touches, fire up the team, Maybe smile, you know, just take some pressure off. I think that could really prove uh, well for them heading forward. And another main factor to consider is going to be Dreyer Horn. He's the Buffs' second leading scorer. And he absolutely disappeared in the Pac-12 title game, which has the potential to affect his confidence going forward. Only six points against the Beavers. That's just, again, you just you just expect better from that. Better from him, better from the team in totality. And they would greatly benefit if Horn could average 12 to 14 points in the NCAAs up from his season average of 11.4. So I guess I already wrote down the stat. He's averaging a little bit more in 10 points per game, 11.4. On paper, this team is good at defense, only allowing 63.3 points per game, which is good for 26 in the nation. But I really don't buy into it. I mean, outside of Eli Parquet and Dallas Walton, this team's not that good defensively. McKinley Wright may be a decent defender, but... They're not elite defensively by any means necessary. I mean, that 26 in the nation, kind of a misleading stat. Bottom line for the Buffs is if Tad Boyle can't get this team to the Sweet 16, they've vastly underperformed. I'm talking vastly. Again, I'm going to keep beating the freaking drum of the life source Samsung TV. Was that an original metaphor <laughs> or cliche? <laughs> that made no sense. But um, bottom line is, look, they had their chance seriously against Oregon State. They couldn't get it done. That could have been the monumental win for them. I mean, it would have been a Pac-12 tournament championship. And if they can't get to the Sweet 16, something's wrong. I mean, there aren't many point guards at the college level like Wright who can literally control the game on the offense and the floor. He's going to give you good shots. He's going to make right passes. He's going to play hard. He just does everything right. He's such a good leader. And if Tad Boyle, you can't win with this guy, who in the hell can you win with? Who in the hell can you win with? That, that's just where I stand with the buffs. When it comes to the Trojans, when it comes to the Buffs, I am very frustrated by these two teams. I want to see the Pac-12 basketball improve, and these two teams have a real opportunity to do it. For the Buffs, it's time to make moves. It's time to make things happen. It's time to dust, bust a dance move. It's time to have one shining moment playing in the background. Win some games. Get to the Sweet 16. I don't see it happening. Again, I see them losing in the round of 32 to Florida State by a lot, but I would love to see them make the Sweet 16. Other names to consider are going to be Deshaun Schwartz, Really good sharpshooter. Jabari Walker, very talented big man freshman. And Maddox Daniels may hit a couple threes. He's probably not going to be a game changer, but two threes a game would be nice for him. Next team I'm going to talk about here. I'm not as frustrated by them. All right. Those deep breaths are nice. These deep breaths are nice, guys. So next team I'm going to be talking about here is the UCLA Bruins. And again, I'm not really frustrated by them. 
My prediction is going to be a loss in the first four. But that's just because they drew an extremely tough matchup against Michigan State. They're going against a probable Hall of Fame coach and a team who's battle-tested from playing the Big Ten without their star player in Chris Smith, that UCLA star player in Chris Smith. I mean, in conference, the Spartans have already faced Iowa, Illinois, Ohio State, Michigan. So coming across a UCLA team without their undeniable leader, I mean, do you really think they're going to be scared? I mean, they're not. I think Michigan State's going to handle them not easily. It should be a damn good game, but Izzo seen better. And due to the fact that Mick Cronin is a phenomenal coach himself, again, I want you to hear this. I do think that the Bruins are going to be able to hang around and make this matchup extremely tight. This is a good team, just really, really, really tough draw. When you're looking at USC and Colorado, as we just talked about, we threw out a lot of stats. For the Bruins, it's pretty freaking simple and nothing that stats can solve or analyze or nothing. Are they going to run into the same problem they've had their last three to- their last three outings? Can someone make a shot when the game is on the line? It is literally, literally been the same story. Their last three appearances on the hardwood. Against the Ducks, they had a nice second half lead, but fell apart midway through the second half, allowing Oregon to cruise to victory. The following matchup against USC, they literally outplayed the Trojans from start to finish, but didn't put it away in the waning minutes, allowing Taj Edie to hit that game-winning corner three. And again, you'd think after two times, and again the third time against OSU in the Pac-12 quarters, same damn scenario. Didn't make free throws late, allowing the Beavers to sneak out a victory, and ultimately fueling the Beavers' run to the big dance. So three games in a row, they've literally outplayed the opponent for the majority of the time, I'd say 50 out of 60 minutes. They outplayed USC and OSU throughout the entirety of the game, and against the Ducks, they controlled it for the first 30 minutes, but... When it came crunch time, no one could step up. This is where Chris Smith would obviously help. You're hoping that someone makes it happen. You're hoping that someone makes it happen for sure. We know that the Bruins are well coached, play tough defense, and share the ball on offense. But someone's just got to say F it. Someone's got to say F it. I'm taking over when the game matters, and that hasn't happened yet. Someone got to show that swagger, that drip, drip, that Migos flare, whatever it may be. Make some shots when the game is on the line. I haven't thrown out any names yet because it could be anyone. So names who could do this, you got Tiger Campbell, nice playmaker. Realistically, for a big shot, you're probably looking at Jules Bernard or Johnny Juzang or Jaime Jaquez. You got three really good options right there. You got a Cody Riley down low. And hell, even Logan Cremonesi. He's only played three games this year. But hey, if no one else wants to make a play when the game's online, give him a chance. I'm like not even knocking the kid. If no one else is going to do it, why not try someone, something new? That's three times in a row, guys, that they have not been able to put a game away. <sighs> I, I like this Bruins team. It's just tough that Chris Smith really got hurt. They're actually a good team. I'm not frustrated by them at all, but I want to see them do good. Again, my prediction for them is going to be a loss in the first four against Michigan State. Just That draw is just vicious. Last team I'm going to break down, and maybe I'll give you all a little hope, is going to be the Oregon Ducks. My prediction is going to be a sweet 16 appearance. But this team could make the Final Four. I I believe that. I believe that. Didn't have the, you know, maybe the liquid courage. Uh, maybe, you know, 12 blunts. Maybe 12 Modellos. Maybe 14 Red Bulls. Didn't have that in me to maybe say this team will make the Final Four. Boldly, again, I haven't gone to Sweet 16, but they really could. Looking at their first round matchup, they're going to kill VCU behind the talented trio of Chris Duarte, 
Eugene Amarui, and LJ Figueroa. That trio is just way too good for any mid-major to handle. In the round of 32, they'll likely match against Iowa. And that's an outing that I think the Ducks will win. I think nationally that'll be viewed as an upset. I think the Ducks are just as talented as Iowa. I don't really care what other people think. And Chris Duarte is a better all-around player than Luca Garza. Garza may get all the hype, whatever. Chris Duarte is a better player. Facts. Better defender, can do more on the cart, and is not just a big body. I mean, Garza's a hell of a player. Don't I'm not trying to disrespect him. He, he's a very, very good player. Likely an NBA second-round draft pick. But Chris Duarte is vastly underrated and a better all-around player. Again, the Ducks are the Pac-12's only chance to make the Final Four this season, even though I didn't call it. And I do have them losing in the next round. I'm not sure who they'll face. I believe it will be probably Kansas, actually. So I think Kansas may take out USC and Oregon. But don't sell them short. They can knock off the Jayhawks. I'm not calling it, but it is probable. It, it wouldn't even shock me, really. I just didn't call it. Hey, there's money on brackets, guys. You know what I'm saying? We we got we, we got to be doing the smart things here. So um, the best thing that actually happened for the Ducks is the loss to the Beavs in the conference semis. I mean, they got blown out by their rival. There's no other way to say it that they got kind of embarrassed. I mean, many Ducks fans were not expecting to get their stuff handed them by the Beavs, and it did. Probably woke them up. And Oregon is like UCLA on like some very strong stimulant. Like not promoting drug use people, but maybe some Adderall, maybe some crystal meth. What else you got out there? I don't know. I don't do that stuff. (laughs) We'll stick with the Red Bulls. That may be a more appropriate analogy. So 742 Red Bulls. And the reason I say Oregon is like UCLA on 742 Red Bulls is because they average five players in double figures with Omarui and Duarte leading the way at 16.7 points a game apiece. And this offensive balance combined with Dana Altman's one final four appearance, two elite eights, and four sweet 16s while at Oregon, that's going to prove a tough out for anyone who gets in their path. Anyone. I'm saying anyone. Not even accounting for the fact that they forced 13.8 turnovers per game behind their vicious press. And look, like, the Ducks are really good, guys. I know a lot of people may not realize how good they are. This team is freaking damn good. And this is their opportunity to showcase it at the highest level. They have the talent. They have the coach. And they just got a really nice splash of water in the face to wake up in the morning from that loss to the Beavs. This team can make the Final Four again. I think they're going to get eliminated in the Sweet 16. I think the Jayhawks are probably pretty good. Historically, they are. But the Ducks are freaking phenomenal. Other names to consider are going to be Will Richardson, Eric Williams Jr. Those two also averaged in in double figures, rounding out the Duarte, Amarui, and Figueroa combination. And really, anyone on their roster, they're that deep and they're that talented. So go Ducks. Make the Final Four, guys. Just prove me wrong make the Final Four. The Pac-12 needs it. You're a hope. And I think there are one real chance to restore some sort of credibility nationally. The last team I'm going to break down going to be the Oregon State Beavers, y'all. Y'all know you're happy about this. All I got to say is, say a little prayer for you. Is that like... <laughs> um, I think Yolanda, Yolanda Adams may sing that song. Maybe Dion Warwick. Um, Deanna Warwick. Just for the Beavers, they're likely going to get destroyed by Tennessee. But hey, I picked against them in the Pac 12 tournament semifinals. I picked against them in the Pac 12 tournament quarterfinals. I picked against them in the Pac 12 tournament finals. I picked against them in the first round of the NCAAs. So go prove me wrong. Go prove me wrong. Talent wise, top to bottom, do they have 
Any chance staying with Tennessee? No, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> That's pretty much all the analysis I'm going to give you. I'm cheering for the Beavers hard, like hardcore. Three names to consider if you're unfamiliar with the Beavers program. Um, three, They do three talented players, so I'm not trying to disrespect them. Wayne Tingle's done a fantastic job coaching them this year. And again, the Beavers didn't just magically wind up at the NCAA tournament. They did win three games in a row to make it happen. So kudos. They've been overperforming from the media preseason polls all year. And hey, they're in the game. They got a chance. That is why they play. You know what I'm saying? That We play to win the game, guys. So for the Beavers, though, the three players to consider is going to be Ethan Thompson. He is hands down their leader, their best all-around player. He's a guard who's a nice little post-up game, 15 feet and in, can dish the ball, makes all the right places. He's calm, cool, and collected. And he really is. He's that guy. He just never seems to be forcing anything. Always seems to just be moving a little bit slower than everyone, but always in control. And not like slow in terms of his like athletic attributes. Just like, seems like he's just chilled out there. Like, And I, I like that. I like that. Second player to consider is going to be Jared Lucas. If he gets hot from three, man, watch out. That guy can shoot everything. Not many shooters around him uh, like him around the country. In the Pac-12, the only other player I can think of who's comparable to him is going to be Alfonso Plummer for Utah. But Jared Lucas actually takes smarter shots. So he's probably the best shooter, in my opinion, in the Pac-12. He can really make any shot. He hit that dagger against Oregon. Um, Was it Oregon or Colorado? I don't know. He hit a dagger, like a fadeaway with two guys in his face in one of the matchups in the Pac-12 tournament. So don't forget about Jared Lucas. And the last player is going to be Warith Alatiche, who is a very athletic post. He could probably match up with some of the Tennessee bigs. I don't know about the other bigs on Oregon State's roster, but Alatiche is an absolute athletic freak. Has had some highlight dunks this year. His jumper is really coming along. So they do have three good players. So for the Beavers, is it logical? No, they're probably going to get smashed. They're probably going to get mallywabbed, you know what I'm saying? But hey, we will say a little prayer for you. I tried to get my voice more in tune that time. I don't know if singing is my career, but um, Beavers, if you're a Pac-12 fan, please cheer for them. Even if you're a Ducks fan, you guys beat them at everything. Cheer for them. Like, this is the Cinderella. The Beavers are what March is all about. Granted, I have them getting smashed by Tennessee in the first round, but I am pulling for this team super hard. I'm working a, like a shift on a Saturday night uh, at, a, at another job I work. And so the first thing I did, I didn't look at any other teams schedule in the Pac-12. I made sure that I was able to watch the Beavers game. This is the team I want to watch, man. I want to see them make the Sweet 16 or just do something crazy. It'd be really cool. Will it boost the Pac-12's credibility? Probably not. Will it warm my heart and all of your hearts? It probably will. So go Beavs, go Beavs, and O-S-U. Dun, 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 dun. Oh. All right, you guys get the point. I'm cheering for the Beavers. So, that's going to do it for our basketball coverage today. That's my breakdown of the NCAA tournament in regards to the Pac-12 teams. But we are not done yet. The last two weeks on Bartlett's Random Topic of the Day, I invited Dane on to talk about some hoops. He talked about Arizona. Last week, I talked about basketball and the Beavers. This week, we're going to do something a little different. We talked about basketball for like 23 minutes here. I'm going to do something else. Make it random again. It is called Random Topic of the Day. So let's get back to the randomness. Today... I'm here to talk about gratitude. Does it seem simple? Yes. Is it complex? Probably. So I'm going to maybe get a little bit more serious here. Maybe. We'll, we'll see. When it comes to gratitude, guys, you know, I was feeling a little interesting, maybe a little down a couple days ago. It's looking around my life. You know, I prefer a little bit more money, 
prefer a different living situation, prefer to have a girlfriend at the moment. Don't have those things yet. But, I mean, I was like, why why am I getting so sad? Like, why am I feeling this way? And then this past Saturday, I believe, I watched a documentary about people living in the slums of Venezuela. And dude, like, what the hell was I even sad about? Like, we have so much in this country to be grateful for. I mean, we got water. We got food. Once I finish this podcast, I can just go to a grocery store and buy food. This isn't a reality in other parts of the world. I mean, these kids in this documentary were drinking water out of a bucket. And the only reason they even had this water was because of a food bank set up by a really cool program. And this water was used to wash, to drink, to cook. And it's just a reminder of how much we really have in this country. And another thing, these kids were getting one meal a day. One meal a day. And they're kids, man. They're kids, you know what I'm saying? And just, we, in this country, we we may be so divided because, you know, Donald Trump or Joseph Biden, and this isn't a political thing, so don't get twisted. This is truly a great country to live in. We have freedoms. We can talk about what we want. And there's just so many things to be grateful for. Like, just little things. Like, I got my nice little Seahawks mug over there. Keeps my green tea warm in the morning. I got, like, my nice little fancy tea tree body wash, you know what I'm saying? It makes me all tingly. That sounds so weird, but it does say it makes you tingle. But like, seriously, like just so many little things to be grateful for. I'm grateful that I can talk to you right now in this podcast. Like seriously, like it's pretty cool. I can talk about basketball, like, and just y'all will listen. Y'all maybe get mad at me. I know Ducks fans may have gotten mad at me in the past, but like, you know, it's just grateful. Like I'm grateful I can do this. You know what I'm saying? I got a voice to do it. I work with autistic kids. You got kids who literally can't live by themselves you know what i'm saying so just you're looking at life whether you got a car whether you're taking the bus if you have the opportunity to work a job even if it's something you really really don't like even if it's less money than you than you prefer even if you don't got a girlfriend at the moment maybe i'm talking about myself again but seriously like all these little things it may be so easy to get caught up you may be older than you prefer you may be younger than you prefer Whatever it may be, look around and find three simple things to be grateful for. Like I said, it could be something simple like a teacup, could be a book, could be, I don't know. Do you like going rattlesnake hunting? I sure as hell probably won't, but if you like doing that, be grateful for that. Just find some things to be grateful for, and I think that's going to do it, because now I'm grateful this uh, (laughs) random topic of the day is over. I'm also getting kind of hungry, so I'm grateful I can go get some food soon. So that's going to do it for the show today. Concluding and summarizing today's episode, pretty simple. We talked about the Pac-12 NCAA tournament teams, and they just need to step up. We have fallen to a lesser level nationally. In football, it was very obvious. In basketball, it's not on that same caliber, but we need someone to step up. I think it's going to be the Ducks. So let's just make it happen, guys. Let's make it happen. So again, in today's episode, talk about the Pac-12 tournament teams. Bartlett's random topic of the day. Find something to be grateful for. And I'm out, y'all. Thank you for tuning in as always. By the time you will be hearing this tomorrow, I'm recording Wednesday at 7.33 p.m. on 3-17-2021. By the time you guys will hear this tomorrow, the NCAA tournament will likely be underway. I'm extremely grateful for your viewership. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, Cheetos and Tuna.